So from time to time we get questions based on some of the topics that we cover or sometimes just random questions that come to someone's mind and I always do my best to try to respond to those. Sometimes I'll respond in the comments where the, uh, uh, where the question is asked. Other times it just kind of becomes worth it to just do a full podcast on it. And so this is one of those times. We've got a question uh, regarding the millennium. I'm going to read the question and then we'll go ahead and dive into it. Uh, I'm a bit confused by the millennium. So, those raptured, will they be on the earth with Jesus for the thousand-year millennium? And if so, I've heard that people living during that time can still have the capacity to sin. That scares me because I don't want to sin or even think I'd have the capacity to sin. I keep thinking, can't we just get to heaven already and be done with all this? Amen. Yes, I wish that were the case, like, right now. Well, the question obviously has to do with the, well, it's really twofold. It has to do with the idea of, are we with Jesus during the millennium, the thousand years that the Bible speaks about? We'll look at that in just a moment. And also, in the millennium, do we have the capacity to sin? Uh, does the Bible say this? You know, does it answer that question? Well, let's look at this a little bit today. Uh, again, it's a twofold question, so we'll look at both. And by the way, uh, I'm going to start by, I'm going to start talking about the subject of the millennium over the next few podcasts. Um, and uh, But I'm going to just kind of focus on this question today. But in reading that question, it kind of occurred to me it might not be a bad idea to talk about what the millennium is, uh, some of the views on it, uh, is it a literal thousand years, is it not, all that kind of a thing. There are, um, there are believers that have a number of different views on this subject. And so uh, today we're just going to focus on the questions as they arose, but uh, we will actually use this as kind of a springboard to over, uh, whether consecutively or not over the next few podcasts, to go ahead and speak to uh, the idea of the millennium. What is it? What does it mean? Where do we fit into it? Things like this. So that being said, let me go ahead and address the question, uh, questions that were asked uh, by our viewer. And so let me go ahead and invite you at this point to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is dealing uh, with a number of questions in this letter. Um, uh, he speaks about the idea of resurrection at all and its importance in the Christian faith. Uh, not only because it's foretold, but because of the implications of rejecting the idea of the resurrection. If there's no resurrection from the dead. If the dead do not rise, then we don't rise. And if we don't rise, then what the heck are we doing living in a holy way if we just cease to exist, if we just die and that's the end of it? Why not live, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die? Um, and then Paul begins to speak about the mechanics of the new body. Uh, by revelation of the Holy Spirit, he begins to explain um, what happens to the body as it's transformed into its glorious uh, ultimate culmination, where we essentially physically become that which uh, is fit for eternity in that. And I invite you to read all of Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, but for our, our purposes today, I'm going to go ahead and read particularly from verse 42 to 57, and, uh, and that'll, that'll help us begin to answer some of the, uh, the questions. So in, uh, again, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 15, starting in verse 42, Paul writes, so is it with the resurrection of the dead? What is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not uh, the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. 
Uh, the first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. Uh, and as is the man of heaven, so also, uh, so also, there we go. So also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Glorious, glorious passage. And you can hear that in Paul's writing. There is this sense of, of crescendo, of re reaching the mountaintop, of finally getting past the finish line, as it were. There's something explosive about what this is all about. And Paul is not just sort of uh, saying, oh, well, here's how it works. No, he's excited about it, as should we be. Well, let's talk about what it is. You and I, uh, in our day, in our flesh, in this world, in this life, this, these bodies we have, not only do they grow old, not only do they decay, not only are they clearly mortal, they're not fit for eternity, they, they wear out, entropy affects us and we run down as it were. Not only is that true physically speaking, but there are other things about us that are also less than what they ought to be, less than optimal, less than fit for eternity. And uh, among those things is our nature. Paul talks about how we have, and his writings to the Corinthians, we, we find out, uh, or Paul tells us about this idea of the new nature that we have in Christ. We have the old nature, and that's all we had prior to coming to Christ. But in Christ, we have a new nature that does battle against the old. And therefore, Paul could say, you know, the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing, myself doing and the things that I want to do, I don't have the strength to do in that. He talks about this fighting that goes on uh, in his natures, uh, in his nature. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that we do have the ability to walk away from sin, to turn away from it. Temptation sometimes overwhelms us and we succumb to it, but we do have a new nature that does give us the power to fight against that a little bit. The fact that we have a conscience that wants to do battle with that is evidence of this. Well, in, in our current situation as believers, we are doing battle against the flesh. Well, what Paul describes here in 1 Corinthians 15 is this glorious change, this release that takes place where the old is done away with, the, uh, the flesh, the mortal is put off and immortality is put on. The idea that we leave behind that which is temporal, that which is mortal, that which is um, holding us back from truly being what God has created us to be, to, from, from truly relating to him on the level that God has invited us to relate to him in. Uh, no longer in that new body will we battle with sin. No longer will we have a sin nature that, uh, that is so easily given into. Uh, but rather instead, we will be living fully and wholly as God has created us to be. This is what we will finally be. 
okay? Now that's important because this takes place at the time of the rapture. Uh, this takes place at the time when Jesus snatches home his children. Those, uh, again, we can, we can both compare this with 1 uh, uh, Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, when he talks about the rapture there as well. The idea that there is going to be a point at which he snatches us away. Those who have died in faith will rise first, but we will join them in the air and meet the Lord in the air. And at that moment, we're given our glorified bodies. We're made brand new. We're, we're new creations, not just in terms of, of, of being given a new nature in Christ, but we finally arrive being clothed with immortality. We're fit now for heaven. And so in that condition, uh, and at this point, I'll invite you to turn to uh, Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 20. Um, uh, where we actually look at the millennium. And again, we're going to spend more time describing what the millennium is all about in that later, but for today, we'll touch on it a little bit in order to speak to our uh, questions right now. In that condition, uh, in that new body condition, we're not going to be prone to sin anymore. No longer will we be battling the old nature. It'll just be this immortality that we've put on. Um, we've put off the old and we are fully clothed in the new. And so my, my thought in regard to your question, uh, the question that is raised, can we sin in the millennium in that? As believers, no. Those who are born again, those who have received their new bodies, their glorified bodies, and, 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 and as we'll see here in a moment, will be with Christ in the millennium, ruling and reigning, uh, in that condition, will have said goodbye to the old nature. No longer are we going to be subject uh, to the fleshly desires and temptations like we experience in the now. Those will be a thing of the past at that time. And that, by the way, that's worth camping out on for a long, long time. Think about yourself for a moment um, without your fleshly desires. Think about not just being without the aches and pains, not just being without, you know, I'm 52 years old, all the, what, what do they say? You get to an age where you're like breakfast cereal, everything's kind of snap, crackle, and pop and that kind of thing. Well, you know, my knees are feeling it, my back feels it from time to time, my neck's a little stiff, things like that. I'm going to be excited when those things are no more because the new model's going to be free of any of those kinds of limitations or encumbrances and stuff. But it's not just that. Imagine yourself without not just the physical issues, but imagine yourself completely pure and free of any sinful thoughts, of any hatred, of any anger, of any frustration, of any disliking of people, of any um, selfishness. Um, you know, how many times do we do things that we think, oh my gosh, I wish I had not done that. I, I didn't believe I had that in me to do that. Well, imagine being in a, in a condition now where that's not there anymore. It's hard to even imagine, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for kind of a while, and I'm thankful that I'm not what I once was, but I still struggle to see myself without any of the flesh to do battle with. Um, I still have wrong thoughts. I still lash out. I still get impatient. I, you know, uh, like you on the, on the road, I get frustrated, you know, with people and stuff. I, I have a hard time imagining myself without that. But that's what it's going to be like. That'll be gone. I'll think differently. I'll see things differently. I'll respond differently because I will be whole as I was intended to be. And I think that's really some of the most beautiful elements of having this new body, of kind of leaving the mortal behind and putting on immortality, is that we will be fundamentally changed. 
we will be different and we will be as God has intended us to be. Uh, I look forward to that with great anticipation. Uh, and, 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 and thankfully, again, I've been walking with the Lord long enough where in those moments where I catch myself totally just like having given into the flesh in some way, you know, it's, there are a lot of those times I stop and I realize, man, there's going to come a day when I won't have to feel like this anymore. I won't have to deal with this anymore. It's beautiful. It's glorious. And that's how we will be from that point on. So again, to come back around to the question, no, I don't think that we will sin because our nature will not be such where we're subject to those kinds of temptations anymore. We'll finally be as we're supposed to be. And so I don't think we will be really capable of sin anymore at that point because we won't have a flesh nature anymore at that point. Now, what about where we are during the millennium? Uh, you know, Jude talks about when Jesus comes back, he comes back with 10,000s of his saints and such. And, um, you know, uh, and, 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 and this whole idea of at his coming, we're with him when he returns. And in, in Revelation chapter 20, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to, to, to read along with me here, in, starting in verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. And then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image. In other words, tribulation saints, those who came out of the tribulation faithful, walking with the Lord. Uh, those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. And this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Now, generally speaking, when it speaks of uh, those who are on thrones seated alongside of him, given authority to judge, and that last sentence, they will rule and reign with him for a thousand years, is generally seen to pertain to the same people. In other words, you and I as believers. Uh, when we return with him, we will rule and reign with him for that period called the millennium, the thousand year period. Uh, again, I'm gonna talk more about the millennium itself uh, later on as we uh, in the next few podcasts and, and stuff, uh, sometime over that little stretch up soon, probably next time we'll start. Um, but um, just to kind of put out there the idea that, that there is a question as to whether this is literal or figurative. Now, I hold the view that it is literal, that there will be an actual thousand years that we will reign with Christ. I think that the fact that it's said, that the, the term thousand years is used multiple times in this passage, is kind of meant to imply that we're talking about a real period of time. Uh, and I do think it is yet future, after the mark of the beast and all these things. How do we know? Because tribulation saints who don't give in to the beast and take his mark are part of those who are in that time. Well, that hasn't happened yet. So I think we're talking about still future. Um, so, but we will, in fact, to answer the question that was raised, we will rule and reign with him for that thousand years. Uh, we will be here with him uh, during that period of time. Now, in connection with that, uh, 
will there be sin in the millennium? Will people be able to sin? Will we be able to sin? Well, I think I've kind of spoken already to the question of, will we as believers who return with him and rule and reign, we won't sin. But what about, um, what about others who enter into the millennium? Uh, now again, we'll talk at more length about this later, but let me just briefly say that, uh, that during that thousand year period of time, it would appear that those who enter into the millennium by and large are believers, if not entirely are believers. Uh, there's some question as to who all enters into the millennium and what condition they enter it under. Um, but I will, uh, and, and I'll speak again more to that as we look at the larger picture of the millennium. I will, however, say that during that thousand years, there will be those uh, who will be born during that time, who will live during that millennial period in which Jesus is physically ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. And he is ruling, as the Bible says, both in Revelation 19, as well as Psalm 110, as well as Psalm 2, we see that Jesus rules with a rod of iron. Okay, well, the idea here is that there will be peace throughout this time, but it is because he is maintaining it. And, uh, and so the, the inference is that there will be, during that thousand years, at least the possibility to sin. I don't think that those who rule and reign with Christ during that time will have the capacity to sin during that time. Again, we'll uh, be completely, totally decked out in our new nature without any hindrance. But what about the kids who are born during that time and grow up? Uh, they're not born, born again. They're going to have to choose for themselves. And anytime somebody acts out or hurts somebody or steals something, Jesus deals with it immediately. That seems to be what is implied here as he rules the nations with a rod of iron during this period of time. Uh, and so as sin happens, it is dealt with immediately. As a matter of fact, it may be safe to also say that since we're ruling and reigning alongside of him, that we may have various responsibilities in the places where we rule and reign to ultimately um, um, to, to maintain the, the kind of uh, purity and, 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 fr and peace and freedom from sin um, uh, alongside of him. That may be partly our responsibility. And so, but during that time, there will at least be the capacity to sin, whether it's by uh, people who come into the millennial reign as unbelievers and see the world as it should be, as Jesus is reigning, or whether it's those children that are born during that time begin to grow up and begin to uh, just simply exercise their human nature, yet unredeemed, unre unregenerate. And so, um, yes, there, there, there does appear that there's going to be the capacity for sin and likely there will be the practice of sin on the part of some, but Jesus will deal with that immediately. It will not be allowed to fester and to continue and to grow and that kind of a thing. Things like we see today in society where there's riots and looting and fires and people getting pulled out of trucks and beaten and that kind of stuff. Uh-uh. That stuff's going to be dealt with if anything resembling that were to happen during that period of time bam, done, dealt with, rod of iron, correction, not dealing with that. Uh, and so I like to think of it this way. Uh, for people who like to say, well, if God is so good, then why does he allow so much evil in the world? Well, during the millennial kingdom, the millennial reign, uh, you will see that answer to that question of what the world, if Jesus were fully free to rule and reign as he would, that's what it would look like. Now, he doesn't bring us to that point yet because the very next thing 
is the, the Bema Seat of Christ, the judgment of, of God after the, not the very next thing I should say, at the end of the Millennial Kingdom, Satan is released again for a short period of time to try to deceive the nations. Those who again are alive and or maybe born during that time will be given an opportunity to respond or to choose which direction they're going to go. Are they gonna follow Jesus or are they going to give in uh, ultimately to Satan and join his rebellion? Uh, and so after that, however, after uh, uh, that is quashed, then comes the judgment. Um, what we typically view as the judgment where the books are opened and, 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 and um, the hammer falls, as it were. And so that is, again, kind of a thumbnail idea. Without, It's hard to talk about this as fully without getting into the whole question of the millennium because there are lots of implications to this. But to answer the questions in somewhat of a succinct way, uh, there, there you go. Hopefully that helps to answer. Uh, no, you and I as believers uh, in the millennium will not sin. I don't think we'll have the ability to because we'll, uh, we'll, have the, we'll, we'll be in our, our new natures without that temptation. We'll have already known what it was like to be like we are now. And uh, whether it's can't or won't, that I'm unclear about. I, I don't think we could because we'll be fully have inherited that which we uh, were redeemed for. Um, uh, but at the very least, we won't. Uh, secondly, uh, we'll be with Christ during the thousand years, during the millennial reign. We will rule and reign with him. And then um, lastly, there, there does seem to be uh, at least the potential for sin and likely the very practice of sin. Because again, if Jesus is ruling and reigning with a rod of iron, that means the intention is that he will have to correct uh, or stop sin from continuing. He'll deal with it immediately. Uh, so that being said, um, that's a few things uh, to bring to bear in regard to answering those questions. Now, as I've already mentioned a couple of times along the way, uh, my intention is the next podcast, next week on Monday, we'll go ahead and begin to dive into the larger picture of what is the millennium. Uh, what is the Bible talking about when it talks about the millennium? What's going on there? Does, uh, does the Bible talk about the millennium anywhere else besides Revelation chapter 20, or is this the only place where we see it? Um, what are some of the other perspectives on the millennium? Is it supposed to be seen as a literal thousand years, or is it supposed to be uh, representative of something else? Is it symbolic in some way, or are we in the millennium now? Are we living in this period of time now that the Bible describes? Well, we'll talk about some of those things as we unpack this a little bit further. So, But for now, hopefully that helps answer the question. And for any others who may have been wondering about those very same things, uh, hopefully that helps. So if you have any thoughts or questions, um, please feel free as always uh, to, to go ahead and comment in the uh, comment section below here on our YouTube channel. Or if you're watching on my website at parsonspad.com, you can also comment there. You can also email me from that website. Or you can go to our church's website at calvarychapelfranklin.com and you can email me there as well. And, um, and, and again, if, if you have questions, we always try to answer those either in the comments or sometimes we do a podcast on it based on the question or how long it might take me to respond. In this case, I thought it'd be better to do this than try and type all that out. So, um, so there you go. Let me go ahead and pray us out. And uh, let me encourage you, by the way, as we talk about things like this, these topics or Topics about end, end times, last things, prophecy in general, the book of Revelation as a book. You know, there's, there's, there are things in scripture that oftentimes are seen as intimidating things to try and understand. And I'll grant that sometimes they can be challenging. 
Um, however, they are worth the effort to try and figure out. I think a real strong measure of humility is required. I think we want to be careful about the things we get dogmatic about when we interpret things. Uh, we want to recognize, too, that is, is, is our interpretation of this, even if we're absolutely a thousand percent right about our interpretation of all these things, is this topic something that is worth dividing over, or can we be gracious and generous with allowing for some different perspectives on things that maybe have yet to come to pass. Uh, these are all important things to consider as we study these topics. We want to make sure that we're loving and our, our speech is seasoned with grace. And as we study these things, we, we arrive at our perspectives on them, but we recognize that the body of Christ does allow for a little bit of diversity on some of these issues as far as how they'll ultimately pan out. Uh, so, um, so anyway, just an extra thought there just to put out. But let me go ahead and pray us out and invite you to continue to join as we continue to go through this subject and really all the subjects that we try to cover as we go through the Word of God, as we seek to grow in our faith and, and unpack these things, and, uh, and ultimately with the goal of knowing Him with whom we have to do. So Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and grace. We thank you that your love for us is deep and rich and abiding. We thank you, Father, that, uh, that Lord, as we're in your hands and in your grip, we can walk securely knowing that uh, that, that which has been uh, kept for us, we're also being kept for it, as Peter would say in 1 Peter. Uh, thank you, Lord, that the future and hope that we one day will enter into is something that is secure, promised, and will be fulfilled by you. We thank you that, Father, as we live in the days in which we do, we can't help but recognize that these are, in fact, exciting times to be living in. We're drawing ever closer, day after day, getting closer and closer to the time when we see you face to face. And, Father, we pray that Jesus would come and get us soon, even today. Father, we praise you and bless you that we have such hope. Help us to rest in it. Help us to walk in it. Help us to live every day knowing that one day where it's going to be fulfilled, and Father, all things will finally reach their crescendo. And we thank you that you're in charge and in control of all things. And we gladly surrender ourselves to you. And uh, just lay ourselves in your hands and say, Lord, do with us as you will as we come closer and closer to that day. Father, we praise you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you again. Thanks for watching, and we'll catch up with you next time.